All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, joined as always by the whale capper Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to talk about King Henry and those Titans and the win last night over the Packers, the repercussions of that into some futures markets. We're going to bring in Brad Spielberger from PFF to go through the Sunday slate and then we'll close out with our best bets. But Drew, how are you? How'd you like Thursday Night Football? It was good. Over came home. Second half over was also a winner. I didn't have huge stakes on those, but uh, that was fun. Uh, and Tractor Cito continues to carry this team. Although, really, that was the defense more than anything. Uh, I would, you know, it's it just an, an impressive Titans find a way to win. It was a tough spot for them. Obviously, a short week on the road in Lambeau. You know, it's it's never going to be an easy win against Aaron Rodgers in those conditions, and they made it look easy. Um, and I think, uh, you know, realistically at this point, that was. I don't really want to say that clinches a playoff spot for them, but it might It might just do that. Uh, I'm currently looking at only about a 6% chance that they work their way out of the playoff picture right now. Uh, and the fact that we're here with the 7-3 Tennessee team, considering my opinion of these guys coming into the season, is pretty amazing. All Ryan Tannehill does is win regular season games. All Mike Rabel does is you know get the most out of his team every single week. And um, you know I think Titans deserve to be celebrated a little bit for this particular win. Um, now I don't give them much of a chance against the, uh, the Titans for lack of a better word, the Titans of the AFC, uh, they are not. Uh, and I think, you know, come playoff time, they're going to be a pretty ripe fade, but, um, you know, certainly, uh, keeping an eye on, you know, Henry's usage, Henry's health, um, you know, if he ends up being your top rusher, I think he's still very much in the OPOY conversation. Um, and then, uh, similarly, uh, Keeping an eye on Vrabel if he steals this one seed, and if uh, you know if if uh, Philly slips, if there's no obvious candidate in the NFC uh, to get Coach of the Year, then Vrabel getting a back to back COY uh, would be pretty unbelievable, and his price is pretty huge. So, um, not to make light of a situation because it's not funny, but uh, Todd Downing getting a DUI this morning uh, was a little and little wild. Um, if they end up parting ways with him, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts this offense. I didn't, I don't love Todd Downing as far as kind of a guy, you know, offensive concepts. Uh, they may be an upgrade depending on who they put in that position in that role, um, but he does seem to at least be pushing the right buttons with the tools that he's got. Uh, you know, worthwhile seeing uh, you know contributions at long last from Traylon Burks last night. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know Titans. Titans are an interesting team. Yeah, I think uh, if they do bring a new offensive coordinator, hopefully we can find someone who gives my ball, my uh, my man Derek Henry, the ball a little bit more. Twenty eight carries, not enough last night for his OPOI case. I think he's going to need thirty five carries to get to hundred yards. <laughs> Wasn't super pretty, but at least he did break the big reception and yeah, uh, through and through the passing TD for uh, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, yeah he, I does, think he does it all. Yeah. He does it all. Yeah, I think the Titans, <laughs> the key to their upside, and we'll ask Brad about this, is is around Traylon Burks, who I think yeah. is he is the one element that can begin to replicate at least some of what A.J. Brown did. But, uh, yeah, their offense, it's not pretty, though Tannehill was pretty good last night outside of uh, that pretty disastrous pick. And then the Packers, I mean, yeah, they drift now out to 55-1 to 1 for the NFC. The NFC North is completely done. They're not winning that. Uh, so the Titans are definitely the more interesting team in futures markets. The AFC South is effectively done too. They're 14-1 and one to win the AFC, which I don't really want to get involved in unless it's looking like they might win the one seed. But yeah, certainly an interesting team. Their defense is good enough to win the AFC. I just don't know about their passing game. 
But anyway, let's bring in Brad Spielberger now from PFF. Brad, how'd you like Thursday Night Football? Is that your type of game? Yeah, it was it was a good game. It was a little messy at times, but I think we saw what Tennessee has the recipe they've they've used this entire season. Great run defense, top, top five in EPA per rush allowed. Unlike Dallas, you know where Green Bay was able to run on them, uh, and they they usually are terrible in the second half. They actually were lowest in EPA per play in the second half. So you talk about Todd Downing a little bit. Great unscripted plays. They always seem to score on that first drive, and then they fall off a cliff. They didn't quite do that last night. I couldn't agree more about the Mike Vrabel conversation. I think that's the biggest future takeaway is he should be squarely in the coach of the year conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think obviously the bar is set incredibly high because he won it last year as a one seed. But the fact that, you know, losing his top edge rushes, losing A.J. Brown and still being in this position, I think on merit, I would probably give it to Brian Dable right now and I'd probably have Vrabel second. Uh, but yeah, I do think certainly if other guys do fall over, then at fifty to one. And here's the thing: like they're they're a lot shorter than fifty to one to get the one seed, like significantly shorter than fifty to one. And if he's in the one seed again over the Bills and the Chiefs, then I think you have to entertain the possibility. Uh, the guy who has got into like even money to win Coach of the Year with three <laughs> weeks to go last year was Bill Belichick, and uh, that's who we're going to start off with. Today, Brad, talking Jets at Patriots. The Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites. The uh, total is a uh, magnificent 38 flat. Uh, <laughs> who do you like in this game, Brad? Yeah, it's funny. We, we chuckle at the over-under, but over the last five weeks, the Patriots and Jets are first and second in defensive EPA per play allowed and are 32nd oh. and 31st in offensive EPA per play. So you're literally getting the two best defenses against the two worst offenses. Uh, also, out of 46 quarterbacks with at least 10 passing attempts when pressured, uh, Mac Jones is great as 45th and Wilson's is 46. So it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a defensive battle. Um, these teams can both generate pressure at a top 10 rate. You know, it's hard for me to bet against Bill Belichick at home, coming off a bye against a team that he just always seems to beat. Zach Wilson's not going to throw maybe three interceptions again like last time. Mac Jones also had one of the worst throws of the season called back uh, on a penalty, kind of a, a soft roughing the passer penalty that should have been a pick six. But if anything here, I'm, I'm still laying the field goal with the Patriots. Yeah, I'm with you on this. And I guess what is your general read on the situation with Mac Jones in New England? Do you think that there is a bottom to buy in terms of his performance that we have seen the worst of it? And then from here in, he can somehow regress positively to what we saw from him last year? I do. I think positive regression is inevitable. Maybe the Jets aren't a great unit to do that against, particularly, uh, you know, this secondary with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed playing so well on the outside. But the Jets lost Sheldon Rankins, who's been a great rot rotational interior guy for them. And that's how they've been so good at getting home with four players, is constantly shuffling players out and keeping legs fresh. So maybe that changes things a little bit for them. But yeah, he just cannot continue to play this poorly. I know he was upset about changing from Josh McDaniels over to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, which I think anyone would be a little bit upset about that. Um, but I think, you know, again, I mentioned the bye week, which, of course, they both had a bye week. But I think they're going to use that extra time to get right. He's probably fully healthy now with the low ankle or the That's high ankle point. sprain. Excuse me. And I think he'll play better football down the stretch. Brad, I like that you mentioned Sauce Gardner. We're a very big Sauce Gardner podcast because uh, we talked about him when he was 18-1 to 1 to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I still think he's a bet at minus 175 that he is now. I know the PFF is in rightfully incredibly high on Sauce, having him as, I think, um, you know, a top three cornerback in the league in wow. the range of, you know, your Pat Sertans. Uh, so I like that. Interested, Brad, do you think that Garrett Wilson at 20-1 to 1 on points bet is any chance for off? 
Defensive Rookie of the Year, just with how Ken Walker really struggling last week kind of made that a bit more of an open race. I think it's an interesting bet, right? A lot of these bets are about narratives. You know, we talked about the coach of the year and all those things. And so if the Jets do make the playoffs, win 10, 11 games, like people are going to want to vote for players in those situations. I do think it's funny. Christian Watson now leads all rookies in touchdown catches after a five-day stretch with five touchdown receptions. Not saying he's going to win offensive rookie of the year, but there's so much fluctuation still. There's still a lot of time there. I do. I like that bet on Garrett Wilson. I think Alave's fading a little bit. Jalen Burks had the big game, but has missed too much time. And Ken Walker, I think you again, and we'll go back to should Geno Smith win some type of award? Should Pete Carroll be in that coach of the year conversation? Like you kind of got to balance some of the narratives against each other. And I like Wilson as a, as a pick there. Yeah. Regardless, I think, uh, you know, certainly Douglas uh, has kind of solidified his position with the draft class he got last year. These guys all being kind of immediate contributors. Brees Hall, before he went down, was the clear favorite. And now Garrett Wilson may end up getting this award. It's it's unbelievable. But I agree with the sentiment. Offensive rookie of the year is still wide open. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Uh, and realistically, uh, you know, the chaos will ensue in December and January and some receiver or running back will ultimately emerge from that race. And I couldn't really tell you who, so you might as well shoot for some long shots. Uh, speaking of long shots, this was a game in the Giants and the Lions that we would have said long odds that there would have been much interest in this game preseason. Uh, two teams probably fighting for draft position. Uh, but now Lions, a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, you know, some, you know, just in general, a little bit, you know, markets warm on this team. Uh, and uh, the Giants, on the other hand, they all they do is win. All they find, you know, find ways to do it ugly. Last week did not deserve the win. Probably definitely did not deserve the cover against the Texans, but they got it anyway. Uh, and this has been sort of the story of their season. It's just, you know, they're defying sort of the situation they're in in terms of talent and just continuing to compile W's. And now, now they welcome a, a Lions team to the Meadowlands that obviously plays a lot better indoors than outdoors because of Jared Goff's limitations with hand size. We all know this. Uh, and the Lions are catching, uh, you know, three points. And, you know, we've seen... You know, a decent amount of money come in to support these guys, pushing them from three and a half down to three. Uh, do you agree with this market movement? And uh, is this sort of continuing to kind of buy low on a Detroit team that a lot of people were uh, pretty, uh, pretty high on coming into this season? Yeah, I thought the Lions were a bet when you had the hook. Maybe a bit tougher now that it's just a flat field goal. But, you know, Jared Goff does tend to struggle against the Blitz. The Giants, of course, and Wink Martindale are going to send pressure. Uh, but they're still 19th in pressure rate, even with their high Blitz rate. And I also think particularly it's the interior, right? Dexter Lawrence is having an outrageous season right now. Leonard Williams, a great player. But the Lions have Frank Ragnow at center to maybe neutralize Dexter Lawrence a bit at nose tackle. Um, and then I love one matchup in particular. The prop I like in this game is Amon Ross St. Brown receptions, receiving yards, whatever you prefer. Uh, Darnay Holmes, the slot corner for the Giants, is our 108th rated slot corner out of 115. Uh, I bet Ross St. Brown last week against Kyler Gordon, who is a, a rookie who's getting better but has been very susceptible for the Chicago Bears in the slot, and he covered the over, on his, I think, on his yards in the first half and his receptions in the third quarter. So just very easy there. Jared Goff is going to look his way with no TJ Hawkins and everything else going on around there. Other side of the spectrum, though, Saquon Barkley might run for 200 yards against this Lions run defense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Brad, can you explain the New York Giants? Because every <laughs> single kind of smart person around the NFL who, who bets professionally, everyone has the Giants rated as one of the six worst teams in the league. You look at PFF grade where they're 28th overall. You look at DVOA, which is a little bit kinder to them, but still... Like my thought is basically that they are true talent, the seven and ten win team, seven ten 
this is even six and eleven team that we thought they might be coming in, and they've basically they're just they're just well coached, and they've been well coached enough to be in situations where they can get some bounces that have just largely gone their way. Is that basically where you're at as well? You mentioned last week it was a good microcosm. The Texans were one and four in the red zone for I want to say a field goal. Like their one touchdown, <laughs> I think, was outside of the red zone. Yeah, so when you're holding teams to three points out of four red zone possess, like that's the type of bounces they're getting. All yeah. their wins are in one score. I think maybe they have one non-one score win. And we've talked a lot about this. You know, this re- is there going to be a regression on the one score wins, or as you mentioned, is it because Brian Dable and Wink Martindale? I think are just such great coaches that they're actually, you know, the consistency of winning these close games is not just flukiness and randomness, but also is execution and organization and all those things. And I think it is kind of a mix of both. But I agree from a talent standpoint, they're, they're not as good as their record right now. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, technically they were all one score wins because the Bears win was eight points. So I'll give it one uh, there, even though that's marginal. But um, that's their best win of the season, beating the Bears by eight. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I say best win, like, you know, there was fluky win over the Ravens, uh, kind of somewhat fluky over the Packers. But uh, I feel like the Giants have gotten relatively lucky, not just in terms of the way their schedule is broke, the way the ball is bouncing on the field, but the way that the NFL kind of shifted and defense in particular has kind of tacked into uh, the direction where what they have with Daniel Jones and Barkley as a one-two punch and kind of a rushing threat quarterback. And, you know, that like the defense shifted, obviously, with a lot of too high looks in terms of, uh, you know, kind of concepts and and the Giants don't have anyone that was going to threaten you and you know in that part of the field anyway. So it's like that doesn't really take anything away from them. And now all of a sudden you're asking them to operate in the part of the field where they wanted to. Uh, and Daniel Jones, of course, with uh, you know a little bit of pop on the ground has been sort of the recipe for success so far this season in the NFL. So um, I didn't see this coming. Uh, seven and ten, as Jay mentioned, is still on the table. <laughs> they only have seven wins, and if they lose out from here, I don't think anyone is literally like, "Oh my gosh." They lost every game. I mean, I don't think really it would surprise anyone that, you know, as and to kind of close this point, they're seven, seven and a half point dogs next week at the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And right now they're ahead of the Cowboys in the standings for the AFC, NFC East. So yeah. also, uh, that, still, that line yeah. is wrong. That line should be a lot higher than <laughs> seven. So no, seriously, like they, yeah. And I think the thing oh. is, is like people think that the Giants play good defense and they eke out wins like they don't play good defense this isn't no, a good defense don't. like they just they've been in some low scoring <laughs> games but i mean yeah you look back like they broke off two 60 yard plays against the titans in week one and they needed the field goal to miss at the buzzer yeah they beat baker mayfield's panthers the bears before the bears figured out their <laughs> offense the packers who turn mm-hmm. out they're not any good the baltimore win was very very strange and they should have lost that game and then you have beat the Jags and the Texans. Like I do think a reckoning is coming is coming for the Giants. At the same time, they've banked so many wins that I think that Brian Dayball at plus five hundred to win Coach of the Year is an incredible bet. Just because they're like plus two hundred to get to eleven wins. And if this team gets to eleven and six, how does Brian Dayball not win Coach of the Year uh, at that point? So. Uh, that's one of my favorite bets on the board at the moment. But let's jump to the Cowboys who play the Giants on Thanksgiving, as you mentioned. Uh, one and a half point favorites at the Vikings. Uh, the total is 48 and a half. And I think the most people, just people who casually follow the NFL, follow betting uh, at a distance, are really surprised that the Vikings are underdogs in this game. Uh, do you feel that way too, Brad? Or do you think that there's a look on the Cowboys? 
the Vikings aren't quite the Giants, but they're also, you know, one-score champions and have had some things bounce their way. They've played against four backup quarterbacks at this point and won all of those games by one score, I want to say. So they have had some things go their way. I think they are a good offense. I think their defense is downright bad. Uh, but the, the big thing to watch here for me is Christian Darisaw, the left tackle. He's our highest-graded tackle on either side in the entire NFL, and him wow. and Brian O'Neill are our highest-graded tackle tandem. The Cowboys kind of the reverse of the Giants. Great rushing on the edge and don't generate much pressure up the middle, which is what gives the Vikings and Kirk Cousins a lot of issues. So if Christian Darisaw can play, Micah Parsons and the Cowboys had five total pressures against the Packers um, and their great tackle tandem last week. So that could be an edge in favor of Minnesota if they can hold up on the outside, give Kirk Cousins enough time. Um, and, and you can also run on Dallas. Dallas is 19th in EPA per rush allowed. Aaron Jones was kind of picking up seven, eight yards a clip for Green Bay. So, you know, I, I do think it's interesting if Christian Darisaw plays i already even without knowing that have teased the vikings with the 49ers probably my favorite bet of the week or one of them bring the, the 49ers down to minus two the vikings up to plus seven and a half that's one of my favorite bets of the weekend and if darisaw does play that's just gravy yeah fair point um i i tend to lean cowboys here and it's hysterical we started talking about uh how the tennessee titans were you know three-point dogs they went out right they basically soaked the division in the same game, Minnesota basically sews up the North uh, with the Packers loss. And uh, and yet here we are, two teams that we just have absolutely no really spirit to back in any way, shape or form in the futures market. And they're the only two in the playoffs right now. <laughs> and it's, it's unbelievable to see, uh, you know, how, um, you know, how. The, you know, just in general, the breaks in the schedule end up influencing win-loss record. And, you know, just you know, another point to looking past, uh, you know, wins in terms of how you power rate teams. And, um, you know, I don't think one and a half is enough. I think Dallas matches up super well with uh, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, just in general, um, you know, I, I get why they deployed Parsons in, in more of a run-stopping role last week uh, as an off-ball linebacker. Like, it makes sense considering who was available and the way that Green Bay was they expected Green Bay to largely approach that game um, but I would expect to see him much more in a pass rush role in this one and I think he could be very very disruptive Dallas in general matched up well against Minnesota last year when these two teams played um, and I think uh, you know that's probably at least you know at, at, at a cheap one and a half I think that's one of the better looks on the card uh, but uh, you know in general do you have a thought on how long teasers have struggled this year which is especially weird considering there's not that much difference between all of these teams. There's not like a serious margin. Like everything should be coming in pretty close. We should, you know, have, you know, relatively sharp numbers here. But uh, it's been tough on the on the old Wong so far in 2022. Great point. Considering the lack of scoring and what was it, the most one score finishes in NFL history through week eight or nine or whatever that was when it came out. So that is a good thought there. Uh, I'm not totally sure. This is probably a, a dumb answer that hasn't affected me so much so far this year on the Wong teasers. Um, but that is an interesting note that they haven't hit. You know, I, I didn't even know that if I'm being honest. Um, but something to monitor for sure. Maybe yeah. there's some positive regression there. Yep. Um, Brad, you touched on it. You kind of mentioned it uh, comparing the Vi Vikings to the Giants. I don't know. Obviously, you think the Vikings are significantly better. But the Vikings are kind of the rich man's New York Giants, the Giants in a mansion where there is some serious regression coming for this team. And they're not going to continue to win these one-score games. And you just think about everything that happened against Buffalo. They get one of the greatest receiving performances of all time from Justin Jefferson. They get two Josh Allen picks and Allen or the Bills fumbling in their own end zone, and they need overtime to beat a team whose quarterback didn't practice all week and was seriously banged up on defense as well. Uh, I just think the Cowboys are materially better here. 
Yes, it was a weird performance against the Packers. They were also down Brown and Barr, who are not the greatest players in the world, but that is being down two starters and, more importantly, played a part in Micah Parsons, basically losing him as an edge rusher and having to play him at off-ball linebacker. So, yeah, I don't believe in the Vikings. I think that uh, that they are going to be a team that kind of falls a little bit apart in the back end of the season. They'll still probably get the two seed because of all these wins that they've banked. And, and one thing I would say is that if the Vikings do win this game, which obviously they very easily can, it's only one-and-a-half-point favorites at uh, one-and-a-half-point dogs at home, is look at Zadarius Smith's Defensive Player of the Year odds because if he beats Micah Parsons, creates Micah Parsons creates another point of separation there. Like right now on PFF, uh, he's 10 pressures clear of everyone else in the league. He's already had his bye. He's second in the league in sacks. He's on a team that's 8-1. and one. This isn't a fluke because in 2019, he led the entire league in pressures. So he's got this on his track record. I mean, there's some 40 to 1 Zadarius DPOY out there, which I think is a little bit too long, bit too long. And particularly if he can put another loss on Micah's resume. Uh, but let's jump to Chiefs' charges. The line now is down to Kansas City minus five in LA. The total is 52. The line has largely come down. Because of the Chargers injury reports where it's looking like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams might both play, Trey Pipkins as well. Uh, they've they've ran out of defensive tackles, which I've never seen before, um, against the Niners where they're literally just out. So that's a blitz every play. Uh, but what do you make of this game, Brad? Yeah, and that's not great going up against maybe the best interior offensive line in the entire NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, a thing I also don't like here that I thought worked in favor of the 49ers. Thanks, Robbie Gold, for missing that extra point and ruining minus six and a half. But uh, the Chiefs are fifth in yards after the catch per reception, and the Chargers are fifth highest rate of missed tackles. They just cannot play in the open field. You can bully them on the interior. Yes, they're missing Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman, uh, but Kadarius Tony, I think, will get more and more involved, particularly over the middle. We know in the open field, all he does is make guys miss with forced missed tackles. And, of course, Travis Kelsey, they've tried to play Michael Davis on him in the past. They sometimes will put Derwin James on him here and there, but they've been using Derwin James to defend the run, to do all sorts of different things. So, you know, I did think Chargers plus seven was too much. Uh, I laid it the full touchdown at the beginning of the week. Now that it's under seven, it does obviously change the calculus. But, you know, the, the total is interesting. The over could certainly hit. I think Isaiah Pacheco could run a ton up the middle between the tackles, especially if Kansas City does get an early lead because the Chargers are so bad to begin games. They had a, they went four weeks in a row being down by at least 10 points after the first quarter, and that's just not going to work against this Kansas City Chiefs football team. So, all that said, Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams, if they can return, that does make a massive difference. I think Herbert is showing he's a little bit healthier, playing a little bit better, and that's been with you know Michael Bandy and, and DeAndre Carter to throw the ball to. So, Yeah, outside of the uh, market flip-flop on Buffalo, uh, uh, Cleveland with the total, this has been the most aggressive market move of the week. You've seen Chargers come down from 7 to 5. Um, Moneyline has moved in pretty substantially, and I think that does speak to the likelihood that the wide receivers are going to be available in this one. Um, obviously, the first game between these two teams on Thursday Night Football Week 2 was a coin flip. Um, Kansas City, very lucky to get that win. If they don't get the goal line pick six, I think they probably lose that game. Uh, and Pat Mahomes, how, I, I lost track. Jay, do you remember how many inter- turnover-worthy plays Pat Mahomes had in that one? Was it like well, yeah, four well, or five? Yeah, well, about a 99-yard uh, interception return <laughs> touchdown uh, that Justin Herbert threw on the next series. So that <laughs> yeah, right. That, that entire game. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah this yep, is yep. an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, so, it, yeah margin between these two teams that, is narrow. Yeah. yeah. 
It's remarkable that the Chargers are 31st in overall PFF grade, the only team worse are the Houston Texans. And I can't really disagree with that. And I think that, you know, this was a team that coming into the season had realistic Super Bowl expectations, I think. But it was a top-heavy roster. And when you lose Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater, JC Jackson, who wasn't playing well anyway, but the thought of him and what he would bring to the defense, I mean, they're just... Yes, they get Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back, but I just don't think they're in the same sphere as the Chiefs. And if this stays at minus five, even with Allen and Williams back, I might lean Kansas City. I'm also not entirely sure the Chargers are particularly well coached, which is uh, a shame because I thought Brandon Staley might be the chosen one, uh, obviously with his pre-election for analytics, but uh, they don't seem to be particularly well coached uh, at the moment. So uh, I would give the edge to Kansas City there. All right, Brad, where can we find your work? Anything to plug? Yeah, for sure. So all my content's at pff.com. You can follow me on Twitter at pff underscore Brad. I know it's very, very early. We're talking week 11, but uh, our top 10 free agent ranking board came out. That's obviously kind of my, my big spiel, and, and we're building on and on to that as the weeks go on. So if you're a fan of a team that might already be out of it, like some of the teams we discussed this week, you know, you can look forward to free agency in the draft, and we're getting covered there soon. Excellent. Thanks, Brad. And you can follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad should Twitter continue to exist. So, Brad, best of luck with all your bets, and I'll speak to you soon. You too, guys. Thank you. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 Five three two three five zero zero in Virginia eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine in New York www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. All right, before we get into our best bets and uh, Sunday Night 7, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Okay, Drew, one of the questions that you'll see in the Sunday Night 7 contest, how many points total in the game, you have bands going from 0 to 43 all the way to 64-plus. What are you taking? Okay, so I'm expecting points in this one. Uh, the over has taken a substantial amount of money. This was 50.5 not that long ago. It's tickling 53 now. Uh, so another big swing in the market here. Again, kind of on the back of expectation that wide receivers are available for the Chargers. And on top of that, I would add that the Chargers have a very, very sincere back-against-the-wall, must-try-to-win-this-game-to-save-your-season kind of mentality. So going forward on fourth in their own territory, giving the Chiefs some short fields, uh, and in general not settling, settling for field goals but going for touchdowns is my expectation here. So give me the top of the market. 64 plus uh, expecting a little bit of a shootout. 
Yep, you've stolen my selection, so I'm just going to go with this. Well, I'm going 64 plus two. I think Justin Herbert it looks healthy, looks like he's past the ribs issue, gets Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back, we think, judging by the market movement. So huge potential for a shootout, and obviously we know what Kansas City can do and the big shootout they had with San Francisco pretty recently, so give me 64 plus as well. All right. Uh, and also, just a reminder that you can go download the NBC Sports Predictor app and play Sunday Night 7. You could win $100,000 this weekend. It is free. All right. Best bet of the weekend, Drew. What do you got? Sticking with the same game. Uh, if the Chargers were six, uh, plus six, I would have been stumping for plus six as the best bet. But since it is now moved to five, uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers money line here at uh, what is currently hanging plus 210. Uh, again, back against the wall here for the Chargers. Wide receivers back. Justin Herbert in general has had uh, you know just a tremendous read on how to attack this Kansas City defense over the years. And I think realistically, the you know Kansas City with a couple of uh, you know hiccups in their wide receiving core uh, may give opportunity for the Chargers to do a little bit of kind of critical kind of game state uh, at the end of the game, sort of make the key stop here. Derwin James, I would expect the key on Travis Kelsey. Uh, and then Pat Mahomes is going to have to get it done with Kadarius Tony uh, and the other cast of characters there, not expecting Juju Smith-Schuster to be available. And obviously, um, uh, they have recently put a couple of other their wide receivers on IR. So it's uh, it's going to be a Chargers for me. Um, I would love, 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 love to see them get into like the 30-point range here. Um, I don't disagree with your take. They're poorly coached. That's true. Um, but at the same time, you know, their, their aggressive mentality plays into, I think a good spot here where Kansas city, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a realistic chance that one of the reasons that their power rating has kind of just floated up, even though they haven't been performing all that well, is just to spend a vacuum at the top. And so, you know, people have been upgrading the chiefs, upgrading the chiefs, upgrading the chiefs, even in, you know, they haven't really shown us much. Uh, the last handful of weeks. And I think uh, ultimately this is a decent sell high on a Chiefs team against the Chargers team that's starting to get healthy. Okay. Well, I like you a lot, Drew. I always have. And uh, <laughs> I wish nothing but the best for you. But uh, I really need the Chiefs to win this game because uh, I've got Patrick Mahomes MVP into absolutely everything now uh, <laughs> at the uh, plus 150, plus 200 range. So, uh, this is cheap insurance because that can Mahomes. still happen. Uh, if he has five touchdowns and 500 yards and a loss, I'll take that. But outside of that, uh, I need the Chiefs to win that game. Also need the Cowboys to win as one-and-a-half-point favorites in Minnesota. That's my best bet of the weekend. Uh, as we talked about with Brad, I do not believe in the Vikings. I think this is a fake team that is being propelled by basically Justin Jefferson and two pass rushes. I don't believe in the Vikings secondary. I think that C.D. Lamb and the Cowboys will eat. I think if they want to run the ball as well, they can do that perfectly well against the Vikings' defense. Uh, and I think that with Anthony Barr, Anthony Brown back as well, both of those guys, I think the Cowboys' defense will be much better than it showed against Green Bay. Uh, this is a really important game for the Cowboys because they don't want to fall back into the pack in the NFC. Uh, I don't have any issues around motivation. I think that Micah Parsons is going to be rushing the passer again. If Christian Darasaw can't go, perfect. That's even better. I just think the Cowboys are in a different tier to the Vikings, even though their record would not suggest that. Uh, I think that when we look back on the season, we're going to see that there was a gulf between these two teams. And I think that gulf becomes apparent on Sunday and the Cowboys handily defeat the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, uh, well, so yeah. Let's, yeah, let's knock you've, out uh, no coach in the UK. Oh, love, would love to see that. Um, yeah. Fair fair play. 
you stole mine. <laughs> I know you get you got it before <laughs> me on lost. Dallas. That would have been my look, uh, but uh, ultimately you get it first. That's fine. I'll take the Chargers. You get the Cowboys. But I, I love every. <laughs> I love I love the way you laid that out. I generally think this is a beautiful spot to bet bet Dallas and um, uh, in general, uh, just every every matchup advantage I look at uh, favors Dallas for me in this one. So uh, that offense getting flexing a little bit on that fast turf. Uh, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yep, it's going to be fun. going to be fun to watch the Cowboys win. All right, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Good luck with all your bets this weekend, and we'll see you next week.